Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. My name is Kelsey and I'm an occupational therapist, sensory specialist, and ADHD. -er. If you're looking to up-level you and your kids' lives by learning how to live a sensory lifestyle to help with attention, anxiety, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, then you've come to the right place. So here we go. Let's get sensory. Welcome back to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. I hope you're doing amazing today because I personally am so excited right now because we are only three days away from the doors opening to Sensory Life Academy. So doors open this Thursday, March 24th, and there are really no words to explain just how excited I am for this round. If you aren't familiar with Sensory Life Academy, it is my three-month signature program where I guide and support parents through creating a sensory lifestyle for their kids. So I guide you and give you everything you need to do three months of intensive but also very easy and practical home therapy for deep sensory and nervous system healing for your child to help regulate their nervous system and strengthen their nervous system and help with sensory challenges, hyperactivity, attention, impulsivity, anxiety, self-esteem, and so much more. And that is only half the program. The other half is also supporting you parents through emotional and nervous system healing because so, so, so often parents so selflessly neglect their own needs, which is why this is such a special part of the program because you get to be supported simultaneously while also doing intensive but extremely practical and easy sensory therapy for your child. And we will be covering all the things in this course and we'll also be having some surprise guest experts like Britton, the autism dietitian, Molly, aut autism consultant, Tequila from Sensory Superpowers and more that will be joining us inside the Sensory Life Academy. And so you can visit the link in the show notes to learn more about the course and join the waitlist so you do not miss when doors open for Sensory Life Academy this Thursday. So again, thank you for joining me today. I am so incredibly grateful and happy you are here because I have a very, very special episode for you. And this may be my most important and special episode yet. So today we're going to talk about the relationship between sensory anxiety and perfectionism, a topic I know very personally all too well. And one of the biggest realizations I had when I first learned about sensory processing disorder was that this was a huge reason of why I had, had experienced anxiety for so long, pretty much my entire life. It was that missing puzzle piece, a big puzzle piece, maybe the largest puzzle piece in my puzzle of explaining my anxiety and all my intense emotions over the years. And I had known before this that I had ADHD and that with ADHD can come, of course, emotional dysregulation, but I never understood the why behind why it came with that emotional dysregulation. And so before I get to the why and get to my life-changing realization, I want to start with the six less obvious signs of anxiety in kids. And there are likely more than these six signs, I would say, but I tend to see these six signs most frequently with kids and even in myself, just looking back at what I experienced as a child. And they can be very incons inconspicuous and kind of sneaky. Like it wasn't until I looked very, very closely at my childhood that I started to see all the different signs of anxiety. Um, so we are going to start off with number one sign um, of anxiety in kids. 
and that is being overly competitive. So for me as a child, I was very competitive. I wanted to always be the first in the line. Um, I played a lot of different sports and I always wanted to win the games. And I would also be kind of somewhat a poor loser if I didn't win and wasn't the best or didn't get to be first in line, which this trait can be sneaky in the sense that a lot of kids might also get praised for being that overly competitive because, you know, that can also come off as being very motivated because my same competitive nature is also, you know, what motivated me, especially during those subjects and activities and in those areas that I really, really struggled in. And looking back now, I also see that my overly competitiveness stemmed from a few different things, like number one, my need to over overcompensate um, for what I viewed as my weaknesses or my differences. I just felt this overwhelming need to just overcompensate, um, which, you know, of course showed in my competitiveness. And then another kind of sign was it also stemmed for my desire to feel in control well, really my nervous system, strong, strong desire to feel in control all the time. I spent all this time as a kid putting intense amount of pressure on myself to fit in, to be enough according to society standards and my own high standards. And of course, most of the time this left me feeling, um, feeling inferior and never being good enough. Um, so <laughs> cue the anxiety. I placed all this stress and anxiety. I was so competitive but why? Because my nervous system was desperate to feel in control, which brings us to the number two sign um, of anxiety in kids, which is being a perfectionist. So a little bit similar to being overly competitive in the sense that once again comes in our nervous system, tense and control or tense need to feel in control by having things perfect. If things aren't perfect, that means that we are not in control. Our nervous, so therefore that's a threat to our nervous system. And I remember so many little moments, like I remember we had a spelling bee in second, gr in second grade and I misspelled the word 50 and I was distraught, like full-blown meltdown. I was crying and I would just have a lot of just little memories like that where it'd just be a little mistake and I would just deeply internalize it and couldn't let go of it. And I see this with a lot of my kids, just them being so, so, so hard on themselves if they make any tiny mistake, like for example, with writing, I see so many of my kids just immediately see that panic in their nervous system, trying to erase, erase, erase whenever they're writing, um, which then leads to them getting upset. And they do this even though no one has necessarily placed any pressure on them. Even though they haven't been critiqued on this, their nervous system is just placing this pressure on them to need to be in control and do things perfect um, because then their nervous system might equate a mistake to a threat, which then might, you know, lead to them going that panic and that fight or flight mode, which brings us to the third sign of anxiety, which is kids who get frustrated easily. And so this one is a very common sign and one of the more well-known signs of anxiety or when you think of anxiety in kids. Um, and as you may have guessed, occurs when once again, nervous system does not feel in control and consequently goes into that fight or flight mode. So getting frustrated easily and it could be for the teeniest, tiniest thing might not always be from just a, a sensory trigger and it's just something might 
set kids nervous system off. And for me, this happened more so at the end of the day when I was a kid, when my bucket was full and overflowing and I was sensory overloaded from a full day and I just couldn't handle any more stress. And I had put all my energy towards holding it together at school all day long. And so any little thing would frustrate me, raise my anxiety, get me into that fight or flight mode, stress me out, homework, or a dinner time as a major picky eater. And with kids, I will also see this all the time, not necessarily only when they're sensory overloaded. Um, We have to remember that with sensory differences, I would usually most of the time comes with, you know, sensory sensitivities or just being overall in that hyper alert state in that fight or flight state. So what comes with being in that more hyper alert state and so aka more stressed out comes with meltdowns, breakdowns, tantrums from being in that tense hyper alert state all the time. So similar to this, but also at the end of the, the opposite end of the spectrum comes in the number four sign of anxiety, which is being a task avoider. So this is another big one that I see all the time. And these are the kids who don't want to chance disrupting their nervous system or feeling any anxiety in any way, um, just so they rather avoid things at all costs. So to protect themselves, they might avoid work, writing, try to avoid dinner time, bedtime, another big one, or all could be anything. Their nervous system is going to do everything it can to protect itself. And in this sense, participating in different tasks or especially more difficult tasks means the chance of something bad happening. So what do they do? They self-protect. They avoid. And kids absolutely can be, you know, over overly competitive, perfectionist, and then also be a task avoider in some senses too. And like for me, I was a mix of all six of these different signs that I'm going to be sharing and going over today. And I don't know if you have noticed a theme in all of these, but once again, when it comes to task avoiding kids, this is our nervous system's attempt of trying to be in control by avoiding situations. Um, So next up comes, which is very closely related to task avoiding. So that brings us to the number five sign of anxiety, which is shyness, which probably would have been one of the first signs of anxiety that I picked up on in myself just when I was thinking of how my anxiety kind of was there when I was a child, when I was brainstorming signs of anxiety in myself as a child. And it's interesting because this is something I've been doing a lot of inner work and inner child on personally. When I was really, really young, I was one of the loudest kids in my class. And which I also think was, you know, related to my impulsivity and my hyper nature as a child. But slowly as I got older, I got more and more shy to the point where I had a lot of social anxiety. And it is interesting because I used to identify very strongly as an introverted extrovert. So I knew and I felt in my heart and soul that I was extroverted. Um, But because of anxiety and unmanaged sensory differences and a dysregulated nervous system, it led to me being shy and introverted. It led to my nervous system hiding to prevent sensory overload, to not have to mask, and you guessed it, to feel in control and gain back a sense of security. And I see this with a lot of sensory kiddos. Being more shy, especially in new experiences, their nervous system going into that freeze mode and not wanting to get outside of their comfort zone, their safe space, their familiar space, which brings me now to number six, 
my last sign of anxiety in kids, which is indecisiveness. And if anyone knows me or knew me growing up, they will likely tell you that I am or used to be one of the most indecisive people ever as someone who has experienced this feeling way too often. Sometimes what felt like an all day, every day, and you can probably maybe even be able to identify and remember this feeling um, because we all have experienced indecisiveness at some point or another. Um, but it feels like us going into that freeze response. So when it comes to that like fight or flight freeze response and with that freeze response comes, you know, those feelings of anxiety. And sometimes it's only a little and then other times it's a lot depending on what the situation is. And for a lot of my kids, I also see this indecisiveness um, often, especially with just even little decisions and more so a lot more so when it comes to big decisions, like one activity that especially shows kids indecisiveness is during writing activities or any, especially like any timed activities, you can see and feel that free state in their nervous system. So now that we have covered my six common signs of anxiety in kids, I can now get to share with you the major revelation that I had when I first learned about sensory processing and sensory integration and made the connection between sensory processing disorder, ADHD, and anxiety. So I realized that all of these relate to having a dysregulated nervous system, which consequently led to my next revelation that to help with my lifelong anxiety and sensory challenges that I needed to figure out how to regulate my nervous system, which is why I spent the next 10 years learning how to strengthen our nervous system, figure out what my unique sensory needs are, figure out how to create a sensory lifestyle that strengthens and regulates my nervous system, which is why I am on a mission to share everything that I have learned and to spread this knowledge with all of you because I know deeply that this is the most powerful and transformational and therapeutic healing modality that I have ever encountered. And I am a guinea pig when it comes to therapies. I have tried all the things trying to help all my sensory differences, anxiety, and all those things over the years. So with all of these, you might have been wondering, where, when is the self-esteem going to come into play? Or you might follow me on Instagram and have put together that you have seen that I also discuss these six signs as also being six signs of low self-esteem. And the reason they are the same, those six signs when it comes to six signs of low self-esteem and six signs of anxiety, is because a lot of times those go hand in hand. Anxiety and self-esteem go hand in hand. When we feel confident, our nervous system likewise feel calmness, that serenity and that opposite of anxiety. So the connection between sensory anxiety and self-esteem is that when kids have sensory differences, a lot of times that can lead to their nervous system, spending a lot of time in that more anxious state, which consequently leads to kids experiencing low self-esteem. And if you think about it, when kids' nervous system don't feel safe frequently, they're consequently going to be more inclined to not feel safe within them themselves and their identity. And this is why this is a key, key component, something that I go very, very deep in inside my three-month program, Sensory Life Academy, which enrollment opens this Thursday. I'm so excited. And a huge part of the program is working on strengthening kids' senses in their self-esteem and their nervous system 
And inside the program, we are also going to be focusing on supporting parents through the inner work, through the emotional healing, through the nervous system healing, because for most of us, our nervous system is programmed to avoid doing inner work at all costs because it is programmed to protect us at all costs, which is why I think one of the most beautiful experiences is having someone provide a safe space to guide you and gently guide you through this experience and to support you because you are so worthy of being supported through this process of healing for your child and for you by healing your own nervous system. And the beautiful thing about that is it has a positive ripple effect on your child and everything else in your life. So I hope you will join me. It is going to be such a transformational and healing three months. You do not want to miss this. And so don't forget to visit the link in my show notes to join the waitlist. And just thank you so, so much for joining me today to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about something that is so important. I will also be doing a part two next week on what to do to help your child's anxiety and self-esteem depending on their unique anxiety profile, whether that be overly competitive or shyness or indecisiveness. Um, It is going to be another extra special episode. So follow, subscribe. You do not want to miss the part two. And also, if you enjoyed what you heard today, it would really mean the world to me if you could leave a review so we can help continue to get the word out about living a sensory lifestyle and get closer to our goal for making sensory therapy common knowledge for all parents. So I hope you have the most beautiful rest of your day, and I will see you soon with part two.